0: From deep inside your audio device of choice. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't uh, say this to suggest that Donald Trump has never had an original thought in his life. Far be it from me to say that. But the uh, notion that there's something questionable about the legitimacy of an American president an elected American president, uh, goes back now about 30 years. We don't talk about that. We haven't. I'm going to talk about it for a minute, just to sort of nail it down for you. In 1992, the election, Bill Clinton won a plurality of the popular vote, not a majority, because there was a third party candidate Ross H Ross Perot got under the hood and uh, won enough votes to keep Bill Clinton from getting a majority of the popular vote and that in the minds of some of his opponents tainted his legitimacy the same thing happened 4 years later Ross Perot got under the hood again same thing happened 2000 a little thing called the Supreme Court intervened in the uh, counting of the votes in the Florida presidential balloting, which, in the minds of an awful lot of Democrats, tainted the legitimacy of George W. Bush, even before the war crimes. I I should point out that um, there are those who thought Al Gore got out lawyered in that contest. But that's a subject for another day. Now, the re-election of George W. Bush, he was a wartime president, so not much contest of his legitimacy at that point. But there certainly was from dating from his original election. 2008, the election of Barack Obama, Yes, it was the first election of an African American to the presidency, and that generated a certain uh, amount of quizzicality about his legitimacy among those who still have not reconciled themselves to the equality of the races. Best example, the aforementioned Donald Trump, in the uh, not in the in the head of the parade. Sort of in the body of the parade of those saying, he wasn't born here, he was born in Kenya, which in their minds tainted his legitimacy. And 2016, those who opposed Donald Trump and his election almost immediately formed themselves into what they called the resistance Suggesting they didn't quite accept his legitimacy. So my point merely being we've we've been on we've been on this road for a while now. We should know where the off ramp is. But and um I was listening on the radio. I listened to the radio, yeah, that's how old I am. Um on the way in here today, and I heard the mayor the new mayor of New York City, Eric Adams. Uh, saying that uh, he thinks the way for Democrats to avoid a disaster in the the midterm elections is to concentrate on what he called kitchen table issues. And I think he's right. And I want to, you know, start by suggesting my kitchen table issue. More forks. Hello, welcome to the show. New Orleans, Louisiana, don't you just know, I'm Harry Shearer, Welcome you to this edition of the show. Um, stat of the week, I'm going to nominate this as my stat of the week, I haven't seen a better one, cost, and this comes from a friend of mine, who, let me just say, is in a position to know, the cost per year, per prisoner in Guantanamo Bay. Want to guess? Cost of the upkeep of each prisoner in Guantanamo Bay. All right, guessing time is over. $13,846,153.85. Sounds like the food's got to be pretty good, huh? And now...
1: General, speaking of no troops, he's not an inspector. He no he's an inspector
0: general. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Speaking of uh, law enforcement, um, punitive conditions, costs, stuff like that. New York's prison system unjustly penalized more than 1,600 incarcerated people based on faulty drug tests. They were put in solitary confinement and their parole was delayed, or their hearings were. Their family visits were denied. That's all according to the New York State Inspector General in a damning report. Description from the New York Times. The arbitrary penalties were meted out across the state over an eight-month period two years ago, while the Department of Corrections and Community Supervision relied on improperly administered drug tests made by the company Microgenics. According to the report, the tests led to rampant false positives for buprenorphine. Buprenorphine. That's an opioid, as if you didn't know. It's an opioid used to treat addiction, as well as synthetic cannabinoids. (laughs) <laughs> cannabinoids. This stands as a heartbreaking example of how the absence of transparency can undermine due process and basic human rights. That's a quote from the New York Inspector General, Lucy Lang. Tom. Oh, that would be Lucy Lang. That would be. The department started using the tests a couple of years ago, January 2019. The manufacturer's direction specified that a positive result should be confirmed with a second, more sensitive test. Officials neglected to do that as a matter of policy. They simply carried out the same test a second time to confirm the results. Yes, yes, that's that's a good way of doing it, isn't it? The rate of positive tests immediately spiked. The department failed to address widespread concerns among prisoners, their families, and advocates that many of the results were false positives, according to the IG report. Several examples of the grave consequences one woman at a correctional facility near Rochester, oh, Rochester, who had never tested positive for drug use during her two years in jail, suddenly tested positive for synthetic cannabinoids. She was confined to herself for 40 days, placed in solitary for 45, lost her prison job and privileges like recreation time, receipt of packages, and phone use for months. Also, she was denied visits with her three children. The report also accused microgenics reps of presenting false or misleading information to prison officials. A review of internal company documents revealed that even ingesting over the counter antacids or the sweetener stevia could potentially lead to false positives. The company failed to disclose those possibilities. The report faulted department officials for declining the second test, found that a sales rep for Microgenics exerted undue influence over the process. Oh, you didn't need, you could just do our test again. It also found the contract with the company most likely violated procurement guidelines and the department, quote, did not perform due diligence when contracting with Microgenics for its drug testing systems, failing to understand that such tests were merely preliminary screening tests, unquote. During the eight-month period, more than 1,600 prisoners punished over drug tests statewide, 140 subjected to solitary. Uh, yes, it's Kind of another example of your brain on the war on drugs, but um, without the inspector general we we might sp- still be putting them in solitary, who knows and now, ladies and gentlemen, time to follow the dollar. Well, since it's uh, the week of the anniversary of January 6th, this story comes to light. And it comes courtesy of, uh, of all people, CNBC. Since that uh, riot on January 6th last year, and by the way, you can't spell patriot without riot. Republican lawmakers back then who objected to the results of the 2020 election received over $8 million in campaign donations from corporations and trade associations. More than 140 Republicans in the House and Senate continued to object to the results of the election, even after the uh, melee on Capitol Hill. Data compiled by the watch group Watchdog group Accountable U.S. shows a handful of corporations that chose to pause contributions or push back on what took place on January 6th. Later, moved ahead with campaigning or financing the campaigns of GOP lawmakers who objected to the election results. These were corporations or trade groups that said a year ago, we're not giving any more money to those people who objected to the election. And then they did when things died down. A study by the Public Affairs Council published last month says more than 80% of corporate PACs did pause their contributions to federal candidates after January 6th, but the new report by Accountable U.S. shows that political action committees on top corporations and trade groups, your American Bankers Association, your Boeing, your Raytheon, your Lockheed Martin, and General Motors, continued... After that pause to give to the Republican objection, Republican election objectors, Boeing, Raytheon, Lockheed Martin and General Motors are among the corporations that said they would pause their campaign contributions to all federal candidates after the attack on the Capitol, but later opted to resume their donations, including to lawmakers who objected to the results of the election after the riot. The American Bankers Association said, quote, We will meet with all of our stakeholders in the coming weeks to review our political activities from the last campaign cycle before making any decisions about future plans. The troubling events of the last week will certainly be a consideration in those discussions, unquote. The Bankers Association has since contributed over $200,000 to Republican objectors, including the campaigns of House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy and House Minority Whip Steve Scalise of Louisiana. Boeing, Raytheon, Lockheed Martin, and General Motors have contributed over, well over half a million to a batch of GOP election objectors after declaring their pause in contributions. Accountable U.S. campaign finance data shows that Marathon Petroleum, Valero Energy, and United Parcel Service are among the corporations that have contru- combined to contribute over $100,000 to some of the Republicans who objected. To twenty twenty election results. The trade group and corporations named in this story didn't return CNBC's requests for comment. Well, what a kick in the head that must be. Always a good idea, ladies and gentlemen, to follow the dollar. And now News of our friend the Adam. Save
1: to cheap to meet. Save
0: to cheap to meet. Save to safe to meter. Save same to safe, safe to, to meter. Stronger oversight of the waste isolation pilot plant could be coming. That is a plant in Carlsbad, New Mexico, where waste generated nuclear waste generated by America's federal government nuclear facilities is shipped for storage stronger oversight could be coming it was uh, the federal government was called on by new mexico officials and members of congress to address alleged problems with the department of energy environmental cleanup operations new mexico environment supervisor james kenney expressed concerns for operations at the WIPP in a letter to the Federal Government Accountability Office asking for more oversight of the Nuclear Waste Repository. That's low-level transuranic waste from around the country via a burial in a salt deposit about 2,000 feet underground. Can you hear us down there? All right, we're talking about you. It's owned and operated by the Energy Department and permitted and regulated by the New Mexico Environment Department. In his letter near the end of last year, Kenny said the Government Accountability Office should review nuclear programs in New Mexico, including the prioritization of nuclear waste shipments to WIPP from facilities outside New Mexico. This is a thing now, because nuclear shipments apparently have been prioritized from Idaho, Idaho, to this storage facility in New Mexico, ticking off the New Mexicans who think waste generated in New Mexico should be prioritized for storage at the New Mexico storage facility. Specifically, uh, waste from Los Alamos National Laboratory in northern New Mexico, where the Department of Energy is going to increase production of the plutonium pits (laughs) used in nuclear weapons. The DOE has entered into legally binding settlement agreements with some states, like your Idaho, to prioritize waste shipments from them at the expense of shipments from New Mexico. The Idaho agreement led to shipments of nuclear waste left over from the Cold War going to WAPP, specifically, some 2,200 drums of. uh, Such waste earlier this year, shipped earlier this year, six shipments a week through February of this year. A lengthy prospect to dig up and remove radioactive and hazardous waste buried for decades in unlined pits in Idaho in a nuclear facility that sits atop a giant aquifer where the water comes from is nearly finished. This project is The DOE said last week it removed the final amount of specifically targeted buried waste from a landfill at a site that includes the Idaho National Laboratory. This is some of the waste that's going to New Mexico. The targeted waste included plutonium-contaminated filters, graphite molds, sludges containing solvents, and oxidized uranium generated during nuclear weapons production work at Rocky Flats in, in Colorado. We're just shipping it around, moving it around. Some radioactive and hazardous remains in the Idaho landfill will receive an earthen cover. That'll do her. The erased waste from Rocky Flats was packaged in storage drums and boxes before being sent from 1954 to 1970 to the high desert sagebrush steppe of eastern Idaho, where it was buried in unlined pits and trenches about 50 miles west of the city of Idaho Falls. I should say so. The cleanup project is called the Accelerated Retrieval Project. It started in 2005. That's how accelerated it is. It's one of about a dozen cleanup efforts ongoing at the Energy Department site. Part of an agreement reached in 2008 between the Energy Department and state officials that required the department to dig up and remove specific types and amounts of radioactive and hazardous material. Much of it sent to New Mexico for permanent disposal. Really. Some waste will be sent to other repositories that could be commercial or Energy Department sites. Energy Department says it's 18 months ahead of schedule in the cleanup of the landfill. A successful cleanup means protection for the region, and for the Snake River Plain Aquifer, according to a congressman from the area. So the waste thing is, you know, being solved. We got this. It's all under control. Clean, cheap, safe, under control. Our friend, the atom. And now, ladies and gentlemen... News of the Olympic Movement. Produced by Jim Eversole III. This is a report from... Agence France Press, Yes, China, they report, wants to use the Beijing Winter Olympics to showcase its green credentials. There are concerns, though, over the environmental cost of the Games relying on artificial snow in one of the driest places in the country. We've talked about this in recent weeks on this program. It's difficult to independently verify Beijing's claims around the Games, which begin this February. Environmentalists told Agence France-Presse they fear a backlash from authorities if they analyze Beijing's green targets. Oh, come on. Retaliation from the Chinese government? Please. China has pledged to power the games using only wind, hydro, and solar energy, despite relying on coal to power nearly two-thirds of its economy. One of the three Olympic cities has installed wind farms. Can produce 14 million kilowatts of electricity, similar to the power output of Singapore. Authorities have also covered mountainsides with solar panels that say will generate another 7 million kilowatts. But China's economy has relied on decades of coal-fueled growth and is still building more coal-fired power plants than the rest of the world combined. In an attempt to clear Beijing's notoriously smoggy skies before the Olympics, coal stoves in 25 million households in northern China were replaced with gas or electric. Tens of thousands of factories were also fined for exceeding emissions limits. Steel plants around Beijing have been ordered to cut production by half. An assessment by Greenpeace said that the biggest lesson from the 2008 Beijing Olympics has been the realization that moving dirty industries from Beijing to neighboring provinces does not bring lasting air quality improvements. 655 hydrogen buses will be used to transport officials and athletes during the Winter Games coming up. 85% of vehicles used will run on either electricity or hydrogen. And the coronavirus has also greatly reduced the number of international flights to China. We'll see, in other words. Meanwhile, in Britain, a Tory peer, a conservative member of parliament, has vowed to lead a boycott of Coca-Cola products over its sponsorship of the Beijing Winter Games, saying its bid to profit from an event organized by the Chinese government was shameless due to the human rights violations in Xinjiang. Robert Hayward, founding chairman of the world's first gay rugby club and a former personnel manager for Coca-Cola bottlers, As the Member of Parliament says it's unacceptable for firms to help boost the use of the Winter Games as a propaganda exercise given concerns over the treatment of one million Uyghurs and other Muslims in Xinjiang province. And the IOC, International Olympics Committee, responded to a Switzerland team leader asking for talks about possibly postponing the Winter Olympics. The IOC promised officials worldwide this week, the Winter Games will go ahead As planned. They got to. It's a movement. And we all need one. Every day. (laughs) On a related subject, ladies and gentlemen, there is a thing called sports washing. At least there is, according to the British newspaper, The Guardian. And um, it reports that this year, launching the Olympic Games in Beijing and ending with the World Cup in Qatar, is set to be a great year for authoritarian regimes looking to cover up their atrocious human rights records. Over the next 12 months, countries such as China, Qatar, and Saudi Arabia, all of whom have been criticized for human rights violations, will use these prestigious sports events to polish their public image on an international scale. Uh, That's uh, sports-washing, a term popularized by Amnesty International. Traditional examples of sports-washing, your uh, 1936 Olympic Games in Nazi Germany. China hosts the Winter Olympics beginning the 4th of February, despite the uh, thing with the Uyghurs in Xinjiang. There will be diplomatic boycotts, U.S., U.K., Canada, Australia, but the athletes will, from those countries will still appear and compete. China's threatened that the countries who have announced diplomatic boycotts will, quote, pay the price for their mistaken acts, unquote. Speaking, Yeah, China, China intends to retaliate. Following the Olympic Games, the World Cup in Qatar begins in November. The nation has a significant record of human rights violations. More than 6,500 migrant workers from India, Pakistan, Nepal, Bangladesh, and Sri Lanka have died in Qatar since 2010, according to The Guardian. The death toll compiled from government sources is most likely an underestimate. does not include data from other countries that send a significant number of migrant workers to Qatar, like your Kenya and the Philippines. Dozens of migrant workers have died during the construction of World Cup stadiums in particular. That should make it a fun thing to celebrate. Despite the harrowing reports of death and abuse in the construction of World Cup stadiums, the president of FIFA, the International Football Federation, announced that the World Cup coming up is a celebration of football and social inclusion. We will not, We will continue working hard to live up to the mission of not forgetting the ones who need most and have no voice, says the president of FIFA, while also protecting the health of growth, healthy growth of everyone else and the global football movement, unquote. Here's another movement for you. Everything's moving these days. A group left, led by Saudi's Sovereign Wealth Fund, headed by Prince Mohammed bin Salman, purchased a a British soccer club, Newcastle United. That's um, arguably one of the kingdom's most successful sports-washing attempts, providing Saudi Arabia with an influential position in English football, an opportunity to upgrade its public image and distract from its recent abuses like the infamous assassination of Jamal Khashoggi. And a devastating war in Yemen that caused a humanitarian catastrophe. You know, focus on Newcastle United, won't you? So Saudi Arabia has become an alluring hub for sports events over the last few years, having signed a 10-year, $650 million deal for a Formula One motor racing event, investing millions in a Saudi international golf event, and hosting some of the biggest boxing showdowns in recent history. They're trying to... uh, host a World Cup event in the not-so-distant future. You know, to to help soccer, sorry, football, increase uh, its support for human rights around the world. So, nothing else may be clean around us right now, But the sports washing is working big time. From New Orleans, this is Le Show. Uh, Exciting news. uh, We're in the middle of negotiation right now for uh, us to have live coverage here on the broadcast of the uh, Assassination Memorial Golf Tournament in Saudi Arabia. I'll keep you posted on how that's going. But meantime, it's time for the apologies of the week.
1: We're so sorry.
0: Patton Oswalt is setting the record straight on a photo he posted where he posed alongside embattled comedian Dave Chappelle. He shared the controversial post on New Year's Eve. Finished my set at McCaw Hall, got a text from Dave Chappelle. Come on over to the arena. He's performing next door. And do a guest set, he wrote. Why not? I waved goodbye to this hell year with a genius that I started comedy with 34 years ago, unquote. Acknowledging trans- uh, Chappelle's transphobic comments in his latest Netflix special, Oswald wrote later, We 100% disagree about transgender rights and representation. I support trans people's rights, anyone's rights to live safely in the world at their fullest selves. He explained why he wouldn't just cut Chappelle off, saying, I also don't believe a seeker like him has done evolving, learning. You know, someone that long see the struggles and the changes. I'm an LBGBTQ ally. I'm a loyal friend. There's friction in those traits that I need to reconcile myself and not let cause feels of betrayal in anyone else. And I'm truly, truly sorry that I didn't consider the hurt this would cause or the depth of that hurt. Unquote, Patton Oswald. He says feels. I say feelings. We disagree. An official at manufacturing giant Komatsu in the Milwaukee area has apologized and told Milwaukee elected leaders that the company should have communicated more quickly in the wake of an oil spill on the Menominee River that occurred like a month ago. The spill itself is something that should never have happened, said John Coates, Komatsu's president of Surface Mining. We should have done a better job communicating more promptly the details to the stakeholders. You know, so they could clean it up or something. Coates said the company had been focused on communicating with regulators and putting in place an action plan to address the cleanup. Immediate calls to local entities could have helped limit the oil spill's spread and limit the damage, according to city officials. They emerged immediate communication with not only the mayor's office and common council, but also the Port of Milwaukee and 911. The port, other city, city entities were not notified until a week after the spill. Kumatsu had to bring in two contractors to respond. The port director said the port could act immediately with boats. Like the port has boats. And now we come to Andy Cohen. Are you aware, well if you watch CNN you must be aware, that uh, every New Year's Eve they take their lead political news anchor A news anchor Anderson Cooper and put him in Times Square with a uh, comedy performer called Andy Cohen and they jock it they yak it up on New Year's Eve and kind of get drunk on live TV yeah and then Anderson goes back to being serious after the hangover of course on Monday of this week this past week Andy Cohen addressed his stupid and drunk, his quote, tirade on CNN's New Year's Eve live broadcast with Cooper. Among his targets were competitor Ryan Seacrest, whose ABC News special was going on at the same time in Times Square. Or as the New York Daily News describes it, his New Year's Eve special was being filmed nearby in Times Square. No, the Daily News, it was live. You don't film a live show and then broadcast it live. Then you, you just throw away the film, you see. And, uh, he was also attacking the band Journey, who performed in Ryan Seacrest's show. Quote uh, Andy Cohen, The only thing I regret saying is that I slammed the ABC broadcast, and I really like Ryan Seacrest. Hey, who doesn't? Isn't that what he's selling? And he's a great guy, and I really regret saying that, said uh, Cohen who also, in his portfolio, is the executive producer of Real Housewives. Wow. That is one serious dude. Uh, I was just stupid and drunk and feeling it. I was continuing the journey rant, and I just kept talking, and I shouldn't have. And I feel bad about that, Cohen continued. Is there anything else you think I should apologize for? Yeah, being the executive producer of... No. Um, regarding Journey, Cohen yelled at one point, If it's not Steve Perry, it doesn't count. Referring to the former lead singer of the band. So he'd got a lot on his mind on New Year's Eve. He, uh, Cohen, and Cooper took a shot of what the former said was tequila on air in the honor in honor of the late Betty White. That's not all we're going to be drinking, said Cohen at the time. This is on a news network, ladies and gentlemen. just want to point that out. They took multiple shots throughout the night, during which Cohen slammed former Mayor Bill de Blasio. Sayonara, sucker, he said, as well as Mark Zuckerberg. Uh, Cohen said, there's a bunch of smoke coming from Ryan Seacrest's group of losers performing behind us. If you've been watching ABC tonight, you've seen nothing. I'm sorry. So that's when he was not really sorry. And then later, he was sorrier. Dateline Nashville, Tennessee, a top Tennessee... By the way, that was... that. I, I just want to reiterate, that was on a news network. Dateline Nashville, Tennessee, a top Tennessee House Republican lawmaker, has apologized for losing his temper and being ejected from a high school basketball game after a confrontation with a referee. The dust-up included what it appeared to be either a feigned or a failed attempt at pulling down the referee's pants. That's according to video footage of the melee, the fracas. Rep- Representative Jeremy Faison posted on Twitter that, quote, I acted the fool tonight and lost my temper on a ref. I was watching, wa- wanting him to fight me. Totally lost my junk and got booted from the gym, he wrote. I've never really lost my temper. He's 45. Gosh, he's lived an empty life. And tonight it was, I, it was completely stupid of me. Emotions getting in the way of rational thoughts are never good, he says. I hope to be able to find the ref and ask for his forgiveness. I was bad wrong. 45-year-old man talks like that. These were two... Uh, Private schools, Providence Academy, and Lakeway Christian. Private religious schools. Video feed shows Faison sitting in the stands before players hit the ground on a loose ball. His son is one of the players. Spurring the referee's whistle and a brief scuffle between the two teams, according to a report. Faison showed up on the court. On the court, told by a referee to leave, he then pointed a finger at the referee's face and said, You can't tell me to leave the floor. This was your fault. He then grabs the ref's pants and tugged down on them. The referee's pants stayed up, and Faison subsequently walked away. Since 1919, he's been the House caucus chairman for Republicans, with supermajorities in both chambers of the Tennessee legislature. The GOP caucus chairman is among the most influential positions in the House. In his apology, the lawmaker, Wrote that for years he's thought it's wrong for parents to lose their temper at sporting events, saying it's not Christian and it's not mature and it's embarrassing to the child. He did not specifically mention the pants pulling down gesture in his post. Vice President Kamala Harris's newly announced communications director, her PR guy Jamal Simmons, is apologizing for decade-old tweets on undocumented folks that resurfaced after news of his appointment as decade-old tweets always do. A trio of tweets from November 2010 got renewed attention in the day since he was hired. He wrote at the time, just saw two undocumented folks talking on MSNBC, one law student, the other a protester. Can someone explain why ICE is not picking them up? And they retreated. Sort of the same sentiment. Now, he says, as a pundit for much of my career, I've tweeted a lot and spoken out on public issues. Sometimes I've been sarcastic, unclear, or just plainly missed the mark. I sincerely apologize for offending those who care as much as I do about making America the best multi-ethnic, diverse democracy it can be. I know the role I'm taking is to represent the Biden-Harris administration, and I will do so with humility, sincerity, and respect, Then in a tweet later... On the same day, he wrote, For the record, I've never advocated for nor believed that Dreamers should be targeted by ICE agents. It's depressing. People can forget about every other thing I've said in public on this because of bad tweets, unquote. Here's a... anybody could make this mistake. Deadline Washington. Washington Wizards basketball team announcer Glenn Consor apologized Thursday for a reference to a Houston player, Kevin Porter Jr.'s father on a broadcast the previous night. Porter, Porter junior, made a three pointer with .4 seconds left to beat the Wizards one hundred fourteen to one hundred eleven. Consor said, You gotta give credit, Kevin Porter junior like his dad, pulled that trigger right at the right time. Unquote. Porter's father reportedly pleaded guilty to manslaughter and the shooting death of a teenager in 1993. Consor said he mistakenly thought Porter was the son of the former Washington basketball player, Kevin Porter. Please allow me to take this opportunity to sincerely apologize to Kevin Porter Jr.'s family and the Rockets organization for the comments I made during last night's game, he said on social media. He said he has reached out to Porter to apologize personally and hope to talk to him soon. NBC Sports Washington added its own Im- uh, uh, message. Quote, Glenn Consor apologized for a comment he made about Kevin Porter Jr. during last night's coverage of the game. He conflated Porter's father with a former Washington player. We join in Glenn's apology to Kevin Porter Jr. and his family. Unquote. Consor is a radio analyst for the Wizards. Radio? who occasionally does TV work, a team spokesman said, he would continue in his radio role. The video of Consor's call was posted on Twitter and was retweeted by LeBron James, who expressed his displeasure. Oh, you don't want to tick off LeBron. A rogue employee was behind a series of low tweets that appeared under the beer brand Paps Blue Ribbons Twitter account. Last week, company spokesman said to AdAge, The tweets and several threaded replies referencing sexual acts were removed within hours. We apologize about the language and content of our recent tweets, said VP of Marketing for Pabst Blue Ribbon. The tweets in question were written in poor judgment by one of our associates. No way does the content of these tweets reflect the values of Pabst and our associates. We're handling the matter internally and have removed the tweets from our social platforms. The uh, offending tweets were a a crude way of making fun of dry January, which is a, I think it's more English than American, but it's like, hey, don't drink this month. What about that? And uh, this was a response that called for a a different response to not drinking this January. Yeah, I'm on the radio. I'm not going to, I'm not going to. I'm not going to share that one with you. But you can look it up. Tristan Thompson has revealed he is the father of a newborn son and has apologized to Khloe Kardashian. I know, it's hard to keep up with the Kardashian, but it's hard to keep up with Tristan Thompson, too. He's a basketball player for the Sacramento Kings. This is our basketball segment on the show. He posted a note on his Instagram saying that a paternity test has proven he fathered a child in December with fitness model Marilee Nichols. A fitness model you your high school counselor didn't tell you you could be one of those i take full responsibility for my actions thompson wrote now the paternity has been established i look forward to amicably raising our son i sincerely apologize to everyone i've hurt or disappointed throughout this ordeal both publicly and privately he specifically apologized to kardashian who's the mother of his 3-year-old daughter true name of the daughter and with whom he was reportedly in a relationship with when he became involved with Nichols. Feeling sorry for a Kardashian yet? A scheduling platform called Flexbooker apologized this week for a data breach that involved the sensitive information of 3.7 million users. A portion of its customer database has been breached after its Amazon Web Services servers were compromised on December 23rd. I guess as a tribute to my birthday. Flexbooker said their system data storage was also accessed and downloaded as part of the attack. They worked with Amazon to restore a backup and were able to bring operations back in about 12 hours. That's a slow backup, I would say. And a Catholic priest in Malta has, uh, well, he's under fire for what the, his archbishop called inflammatory and hurtful comments against gay people. In a Facebook post, Father David Muscat said that being gay is worse than being possessed by the devil. He was forced by the archdiocese to delete the post, which caused uproar in the European island nation. In the, his televised homily this week later, Archbishop Charles Schituna apologized in the name of the church while the Archdiocese released a statement saying that a formal warning against the priest had been issued. He was also instructed to stop using hurtful language against any group or individual. The Archbishop also reminded Muscat that in accordance with Catholic teaching, members of the clergy are required to display respect, compassion, and sensitivity to people from all walks of life. He had written the post about a murder suspect, the priest was speculating on the possibility the assailant was gay or bisexual or possessed by the devil. Muscat said being gay was worse than being possessed. The suspect had attended a ceremony by a controversial evangelical group Before the night, on the night before the uh, victim was killed. Members of the group have since been called in for police questioning. The uh, suspect said he was possessed by the devil at the time of the attack. Well at least he at least he came clean about that. The apologies of the week, ladies and gentlemen, a copywriting, copyrighted feature of this broadcast and now quickly. <laughs> Yes, it is. Google and Facebook have come a little unstuck in the cookie department. French Watchdog Commission of uh, Information slapped the pair with a 150 million euro and 60 million dollar euro fine, 170 million dollars and 68 million dollars. Respectively, the uh, commission started investigations after receiving complaints regarding the way cookies can be refused on Facebook.com, YouTube.com, and um, Google.com. You see, um, they depend on cookies, or have depended on cookies for years, to uh, provide information about users that they turn around and sell to their advertisers. And... uh, The impending demise of cookies is uh, turning the digital advertising realm upside down. The crux of the matter is there's a button to permit immediate acceptance of cookies on Facebook, YouTube, and Google, Google. Google.fr, French Google, but there's not an equivalent button to refuse them as easily. Several clicks are required to refuse all cookies against a single one to accept them, according to the French Commission. The restricted committee considered that this process affects the freedom of consent Since on the Internet, the user expects to be able to quickly consult a website, the fact that they cannot refuse the cookies as easily as they can accept them influences their choice in favor of consent. This constitutes an infringement of the French Data Protection Act. The companies have three months to give users located in France a means to refuse cookies. It is as simple as accepting them. If they refuse to do so or fail to do so, companies have to pay those penalties. The uh, companies were asked for their reaction. A meta spokesperson told the uh, tech journal The Register, We're reviewing the authority's decision and remain committed to working with relevant authorities. Our cookie consent controls provide people with greater control over their data. A Google spokesperson said, People trust us to respect their right to privacy. And keep them safe. We understand our responsibility to protect that trust and are committing to further changes and active work with the Commission. And two major U.S. telecom operators, at and and Verizon, agreed this week to a further two-week delay to the planned rollout of 5G networks across the country because of the... Uh, Possibility that the 5G transmissions would interfere with digital altimeters in aircraft that are like, uh, you know, flying and trying to land and stuff. Decision followed a request by Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg. And Google has fixed a bug that blocked some people from getting through to 911 when they dialed for help on Google's Pixel smartphones. The glitch prevented a woman from reaching emergency services when she thought her grandmother was having a stroke. She waited a few minutes on her Pixel phone before resorting to a landline. Yeah, a landline, ladies and gentlemen. It's a smart, 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 smart smart world. And my personal apology this week to uh, Pope Francis I chose a pet over a child. Sorry Sorry Papa That's it for this week's edition of the show. Back next week at the same time over these same stations and over your audio device of choice whenever you want it Be just like taking a pet over a child if you'd agree to join with me then. Would you already? Thank you very much. Uh huh Tip of the show, chapeau to the San Diego desk and to Pam Halstead. The email address for this program, the playlist of the music, and your chance to get Cars I Talk t shirts all at harryshearer.com and so much more is there too. And on the other hand, I'm on the Twitter at the Harry Shearer. The show comes to you from Century of Progress Productions and originates through the facilities of WWNO New Orleans flagship station of the Change is Easy Radio Network. So long from New Orleans.